welcome to Season 5 of the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another motivating episode that will help you to shock your potential. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, we are talking about money, 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 money. I like talking about money and also why money matters. And my guest today is going to talk about money, but he's going to talk about a few other things, including a little bit of his backstory, which I think is going to lead to some really interesting dialogue. So let me tell you a little bit about him. Alan Lazarus is the founder and host of Next Level University, which is a global top 100 self-improvement podcast that has more than 900 episodes, reaching over a half million people in more than 100 countries. Okay, he's got to speed a little bit on the numbers, but I'm not being jealous yet. Now, Alan believes in a heart-driven but no BS approach to inspiring, motivating, and educating others on what it really takes to get to the next level. And as you guys know, we don't have any BS here. Well, every once in a while, I throw some out there. But since he says no BS, we are going to talk from the, tr- from the true gut level of what he knows and what he's learned. Now, he's learned a few things in ways that probably he wished he didn't have to. At the age of two, Alan's father passed away in a car accident. But at age 26, Alan got into a nearly fatal car crash himself, and he began to question everything, including who he was and the choices he was making. We've all had those moments, but probably not as profound as that. Now it's his mission to help others maximize their potential. Oh, we like that. And design lives and businesses they love on their own terms. Alan, thank you for joining us today. What a wonderful intro. I'm super excited to be here. And the word potential is one of my favorites in the entire world. So uh, I'm excited. Oh, yes. I love it too. I can't wait to hear. Well, I did give some highlights in your bio, but I think it's more important to come from you. So tell us a little bit about you, your story, and how this has transitioned into a business that's not only helped you to shock your potential, but how you use it to help others shock their potential. All right. So the first thing that I like to say prior to telling this story is that I'm 33 right now, and I did not understand this at the time. Uh, I now have reflected on it, and it, it makes a lot more sense to me now than when I was going and more importantly, growing through it. Mm-hmm. So as you heard, I had a tough start. I had an older sister and a mother, and my mother was 30 when her husband passed away in a car accident at He was 28, my father was 28, and I was two years old at the time. So I was raised by two women, my mother and my older sister. My sister was three years older than me. Um, I had a stepfather from age three to 14. When I was 14, my stepfather left, and that's kind of a whole other story. But where I like to start my story was, uh, again, in hindsight, my mom sat me down when I was seven years old. She always used to lecture us. She always wanted us to understand why we were being punished and why things were the way they were, which now in hindsight, I like, but at the time we couldn't stand it. So <laughs> totally uh, I'm seven years old and she gave me the best lesson I've ever heard. She said, Alan, you can be a CEO or you can be a farmer. I'm going to love you either way. But if you decide to go for CEO, you can wake up one day and just decide to be a farmer. 
it does not necessarily work the other way around. So aim high and you'll have choices. And I think in hindsight, it stems from my mom was a stay at home mom. And when my father passed away, she had two kids and not a lot of choices. And so she wanted to make sure that we didn't end up that way. So Mm -hmm. fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. I'm 10 years old and we're in my mother's old sort of black BMW and we're driving past my alma mater. It's called Worcester Polytechnic Institute. It's one of the top tech schools in the world. It's awesome. It's kind of like a mini MIT. Mm-hmm. And she said, Alan, so my uncle Merle at the time was the track and field coach there. And they actually have since named the field after him. It's uh, Norcross mm-hmm. field. And she said, Alan, you're really smart, really smart. People go there. You're really good at math. Engineers go there. Engineers make a lot of money. Engineers have choices. You should uh, go there one day. Uh-huh. So uh, I did. I, I eventually got into that school. And this is the part of my story that I find really, really fascinating. Apparently, when I was in eighth grade, I came to my mom and I said, I don't really want to try in eighth grade. I'm going to make a deal with you. If I can take eighth grade off, I still have to go to school legally. But Mm -hmm. if I can take eighth grade off and not try academically, I promise that I'll get straight A's in high school. And apparently we made this deal and she said, okay, but you have to promise me that you'll do well in high school because that's really what matters. And so we did. I, if you look at my academic career, it's like all A's, maybe a B or two. And then in eighth grade, it's C's and D's and like a couple B's. And then in high school, it is straight A's except for one B plus. Oh, I hate that teacher. Yeah. Miss Desolets. Miss Desolets. No, I actually, I actually like her. She's a friend of mine now, but um, (laughs) she gave me an 89 in honors English. And so naturally I never took honors English again. I was a math guy. (laughs) But anyways, so fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. I get into my dream school. I become an electrical and computer engineer. I graduate with distinction. And there was many challenges in there that I'm not mentioning. But again, this is short form. Fast forward, I'm at a company called Tyco Safety Products. It's now called Simplex Grinnell. And I'm Mm -hmm. designing circuits, electrical engineering behind a desk. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, this is not my calling. I love people. I don't want to sit in a dark room behind a desk. So I go back for my MBA. I email one of my mentors and I, I found out, I think I looked it up at the time. I, at the time, my hero was Steve Jobs mm-hmm. and I wanted to be the CEO of a fortune 50 tech company, just like my hero, Steve Jobs. There you go. And I found out that apparently like 60 plus percent of all fortune 500 CEOs in America had an MBA with an engineering combination. I did so not I, know that. That's interesting. Back then, that's what I looked up. And it, it, so I went back for my MBA and then I did a bunch of job hopping. So I, I worked in LA for a time. I lived there for like three and a half months. I worked for a company called Oz Development. I worked for a company called iRobot. I worked for a company called Sensata Technologies. I was a global product manager and I was in marketing and I was in engineering and I was soul searching a lot. I eventually landed at a company called Cognex and I started a little inside sales engineering team there. And then I get promoted to outside sales. So this is when the car accident happens. So Mm. it's 2015. At this point, I had paid off all my school debt, 84 grand in 2014, all gone. I have this investment portfolio of 150 plus grand, and I'm making a lot of money in the stock market. And I'm earning almost $200,000 a year at this point. And I'm in my early 20s. Wow. Mid 20s at this point. So I'm, my territory was Vermont, Western Mass, and Connecticut. 
And I was up in New Hampshire with my little cousin, not working, just playing Call of Duty. My little cousin was 17 at the time. And we're going to TGI Fridays. We're not doing anything crazy. We're not drinking. We're just playing video games. And I looked down at the GPS. It was a dark, cold winter night where the snowbanks were covering the signs. So there was a yield sign that I was supposed to see. I didn't see it. I end up on the wrong side of the road. I look up and I see the, what I thought was a Mack truck right in front of me. So I'm doing like 35 and this other truck's doing 35. And so I'm like, if this is a Mack truck, there's no way. There's no way. So I had that moment that was like, this is it. This is the end. Fortunately, it was a lift kitted pickup truck. And oh. I was driving a 2004 Volkswagen Passat because I was big on paying off all my debt. So it was an older car. And mm-hmm. I used to call this the, the tank. So it was a German engineered steel trap of a car. That car definitely saved my life. And so oh. in my speeches, I usually show the pictures of this car because I've seen the pictures of my dad's car. Yeah. Okay. So circle back. I'm 26 at the time. My father passed away when he was 28. And so this messed me up. Now, physically, I was okay. I hurt my face on the airbag. My cousin hurt his knee, but both airbags did deploy. Luckily, uh, German engineered steel trap of a car were okay. But mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, I am so messed up. Yeah. Questioning everything. The man I became, my career. And it's like, ah, okay. Beautiful girlfriend. Tons of high school friends. Tons of college friends. Tons of corporate friends. Making well over six figures, almost $200,000 a year. I'm a 1% earner. I've got an investment portfolio. I've got more money than I know what to do with. I did everything I thought I was supposed to do. I've got an engineering degree and I've got my master's in business from one of the best schools in the world, best tech schools in the world, I should say. And here I am questioning my life. Like, did I do it wrong? Did I screw this up? Like, why am I unfulfilled? So now in hindsight, I understand why. And so now I live by this quote. I've got this, um, necklace around my neck that I always wear always. And it's a true North North star. Mm -hmm. And I live by the simple quote where you can't see the stars during the day. They're always there, but sometimes it takes the darkness to see clearly what you simply could not within the light. Mm -hmm. And so I was in emotional, mental, and spiritual darkness. And I saw two stars that I had never noticed before. One of them was Tony Robbins, Ted talk, which regardless Mm -hmm. of what you think of Tony, the Ted talk is unbelievable. So look it Mm -hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Second and more importantly, I came across a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Ooh. a woman named Bronnie Ware. Okay. So I've since actually interviewed her, which is really cool, um, like four years later, which is awesome. But she worked in hospice for eight years. She's an Australian woman. And she thought her job was to take care of the terminally ill, when in reality, her job was to listen. And her calling, I should say, was to write this book of like, listen, eight years in hospice with the terminally ill and all of them have the same regrets. Like what a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Yeah. The number one regret of the dying. I have a flashcard in my pocket at all times. It's actually in my gym bag, which is right over here. Um, (laughs) But it has all five regrets. I've been carrying it around ever since then. The number one regret of the dying, according to Bronnie Ware's book is I wish I had lived a life true to myself and not what others expected of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so now here I am you know, podcast, next level university, 120 plus countries, half a million people coaching people all over the world. I just surpassed my thousandth coaching call a few months back. And so thank you. Thank you. All the people all over the world. I mean, we've got a 16 person global team now, some in Italy, some in the Philippines, some in Australia, 
you know, some in the US, a bunch in Canada, Mexico, I'm interviewing and I'm, you know, I've interviewed millionaires and billionaires and famous people, all this stuff now. And, and 900 episodes, all awesome. Great, great, great. Okay. And that's not my point. My point is all different cultures, all different backgrounds, all different stories, all different countries, thousands of hours learning about these individuals. And I realize there's not a soul on this planet who does not fear the judgment of other people, at least to some extent. Absolutely. And it controls us. Yeah. And we don't shine as bright as we could because we're afraid of what our dad will think or our mom will think or our relatives will think or our friends will think. And there's a reason you post stuff on Instagram that you'd never post on Facebook. And the reason why is because, yes, you and me and everyone I've ever met is afraid of what other people will think. And if Mm -hmm. you live from that paradigm, you'll never be fulfilled. And so now I'm on a mission to really share that message and help people optimize for fulfillment. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's including money. I know we're going to talk about money today. So fulfillment is a formula and money is a part of that formula. So that's, that's my story. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about some a kind of an interesting mind shift that I made uh, two weeks ago. So last week we had a, I've been working on this other project in our business uh, where I've interviewed some really famous people in media and just had a ball with it, but I had been keeping it separate from my, so I have a, you know, like I have a business Facebook page and I have a personal Facebook page and I, and I try not to put my business stuff on the face on my personal page, because I don't want my friends to go, Oh, look, she's showing off, you know? And it's really interesting because I sat there and I thought, you know, I just got to interview Joan London, Tom Bergeron, who was dancing with the stars, Spencer Christian, one of my favorite weather guys. Um, and I interviewed all these amazing people. And I thought, why am I not shining my light on this? I'm not trying to brag, but I know that there's my, some of my friends who would love to hear these interviews. And I'm going to do it. And it was fun to, um, to put it out there. And it was something completely different. But before I hit the first, you know, enter to put that, you're right. I mean, I, I have it all over my business Instagram page and my Twitter feed and LinkedIn, you name it. But I, I worried about that distinction. And for me, it goes back to in 12th grade or 12th grade, sixth grade, I was 12 years old. My parents went on a vacation and left me with my grandma. They came home, they brought me this like cowgirl shirt. And it had little pearl buttons that snapped and stuff. And I wore it to school. And I said to my friend, do you like my new shirt? And she said, you're conceited. And I said, I didn't even know what it meant. But I said, no, I'm not. (laughs) I am not. I never wore that shirt again. And I loved that shirt until she said it. And to this day, it still haunts me that I didn't just say, no, I'm, I'm not. And I'm sorry you feel that way. But I love this shirt. I'm not trying to brag. But this is a lot of baggage we carry with us. I mean, that was geez, hey, I'm 53. That was, that was 41 years ago. <laughs> uh, you, you are very clearly very confident. You're not conceited. Thank you. <laughs> and I had a moment too, where you and I, when we first met on this, it's like, okay, is she ego or is she not? Because a lot of people are right. Uh, yeah. um, especially when they get around someone else who is really confident. And I'm like, no, she's just very confident. You're very, very confident. And, and, you allowed that person to dim your light. And I'm very grateful you're no longer allowing that. But the truth is we all do that. Yeah. I've done that more times than I, than I can count. And I am trying really hard not never to do that again, genuinely. Right. Um, 
we try to stay small due to the insecurities of others. Yeah. And it doesn't help the world the way that we need to help the world. Yeah. With the um, coaching group that I participate in, we talk a lot about resistance, you know, what keeps us from, you know, if you, you have to recognize when you're resisting something that, you know, you should be doing. And I just erased it on my wall because I wanted to rewrite it somewhere else. But I, one day I wrote down just out of the blue, cause I have a dry erase wall on my whole wall. And I wrote down, I will not resist resistance. I will seek to understand it. Because when those moments come, I don't want to just say, oh, well, I'm resisting. I need to, you know, go forward with that, even if I'm uncomfortable. I want to understand what's keeping me from just diving in or, you know, what's keeping me from hitting that return button and, you know, or that send button, putting something out there, because that's when, you know, we're never going to be perfect, but it's not about being perfect. It's about mindfulness of where we are to make choices that we're aware of. I love that you do this. I think that's, it's so, it's so powerful to have people be given permission to give themselves permission to find that, that truth in themselves. Well, I know you've heard the quote of it is not our darkness, but our light that most frightens us. Yeah. And here you are with pink streaks in your hair at 53. And statistically speaking, that's a rarity. Good for you. Thank you. Good for you because you're, you're letting your shine shine. And I, and I, that's what I'm about. I want to dial it up. Everybody dial it up. Like I say this to my clients, uh, you know, what's fascinating. And I say this directly, the people in your life that are, that are upset with you or or lashing out at you or whatever, they, the, the parts of you that they dislike, believe it or not to achieve your dreams, you actually have to dial those up. You yeah. have to dial those up, not down. Those are virtues. Hard work is a virtue. Yeah. I, I've been told my whole life, you think too big, you think too much, you work too hard. You, what if they work too little? Yeah. What exactly. if they think too little? Yeah. What if they dream too small? Can't you ever be satisfied? Yeah. yeah. You're, I'm not, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. We are trying to live in our calling. And I think that fulfillment is a byproduct of that, but I digress. Um, this is your interview. Let's, let's go I where you want it to I go. Don't, I'm having a great time. I'm like, forget it. We're all, we're all <laughs> yeah. off. We're going to break in just a minute. But I do want to, before we take a break, I do think that I know that probably part of your story from what I'm hearing from you is, you know, I wasn't, you know, following my true calling, maybe, you know, wasn't where I wanted to be in um, when I was, you know, creating systems and sitting behind a desk. But I love the fact that your mom said to you, and she might have, you know, you know, sent you in one direction towards the college that she wanted (laughs) to go to. But when she said aim high, and you have choices, that's a beautiful, Mm It's a beautiful um, support and nudge for a child to hear. And especially when she says, I don't care which one you are, but if you want to have more choices, one's going to give you more choices and you can always go backwards. And I think that's a beautiful statement to realize that, yes, you don't, I always tell um, people, you know, when every once in a while I'll have one of my clients or somebody I know say, will you talk to my kid? They're, you know, just graduating from high school and they don't know what they should major in in college. And I want them to major in this. I'm like, I don't care what they major in college. Just have them go to college. They don't even have to go get a degree or maybe they go to a technical college or maybe they go do a study abroad or they go to, you know, they go to cooking school, just have them just send them on an experience so that they don't see what the end point is. You know, unless you really want to become a doctor or a lawyer, then there's, you know, some endpoints, but 
you don't know what you don't know until you've experienced. And if we feel like we're in too much of a box, then we set ourselves up for not only disappointment at times, but that sense of, okay, now what, once I've accomplished it, instead of enjoying the journey. Yeah. I think uh, one thing that I'll add before the commercial break here is I think it's this interesting dichotomy between results orientation and process orientation. Yeah. And so I'm a very left-brained, results-oriented human, uh, always have been, always will be, but I have this, this process orientation as well. And I was overly results-oriented in my young life, and then I went overly process-oriented, and I started losing some results that I care about, and then I went to find my center. People say life's about the journey, and I understand and I agree, but one thing that is important is that the destination you choose in advance dictates the journey. If you're going to drive from Boston to Los Angeles, that's a very different journey than from Boston to 30 minutes south of Boston. That's true. That's true. And so I think that I, you know, it's like doctor, lawyer, engineer, failure. No, 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 none of that. But at the same time, aiming high is really good. So how do you aim high, but not be so specific that it pigeonholes you and you don't have amazing experiences. And so I think life is a dance between exploration and refocus. Mm -hmm. So you go out and you explore persons, places, things, and ideas, and then you figure out, you know what? Okay. Like that, like that, like that. Definitely don't like that. And then you refocus, you double down on the things you do like, and you eliminate the things you don't. And then you slowly hone on your calling. And to me, and this is, this will be the last piece here uh, before the commercial break is I think of regret and fulfillment. Those are my guardrails. Mm-hmm. fulfillment is the soul's recognition of alignment with its highest calling. So when you are fulfilled, a hard workout can suck. And after you can be so fulfilled mm-hmm. yeah. versus eating a donut can be pleasurable, but after you're not fulfilled, no matter how many you eat, I've eaten a dozen. No, I'm just joking, but seriously. Okay. So regret and fulfillment regret is the soul's recognition of misalignment mm-hmm. with its highest calling. And so when you have a regret, that's your highest self saying, Hey, Alan, you did this thing or you made this decision that in hindsight was maybe not the most intelligent choice. Maybe it was outside of alignment with your core aspirations or your core values or your core beliefs. And so it's like, well, I want to be a millionaire. It's like, okay, well then go sell cigarettes if you don't have core values. See, that's (laughs) not going to fulfill you. It's not going to fulfill you, right? And so to bring it back to money, aim high, keep it specific enough to give you direction, but open enough to make sure you're exploring and not pigeonholing yourself to where you're going to have regret. I love it. And I love the correlation back to guardrails too, because it, it brings a kind of full circle. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor and no, I won't be eating donuts during the break, but I might be eating cotton candy flavored peeps. I'm just saying <laughs> we'll be right back. Do you want to be a go-to expert that news reporters, anchors, and media producers turn to? Are you a media professional looking for credible, reliable, and timely guests? If you answered yes to either of those questions, then Shock Your Media Potential is for you. This one-of-a-kind platform connects vetted experts with news professionals around the globe. As a part of our launch celebration, you can participate for free in our Shock Your Media Potential virtual conference running March 28th through April 1st. Together with my co-host, Eddie Luisi, known as stage manager to the stars and also stage manager for Good Morning America, we have interviewed 25 media personalities and professionals 
to ask them the questions you need to know the answers to. Like, how can I make myself more newsworthy? How do I best pitch a story? How do I get invited back again and again? And much more. Some of our guests are household names with exceptional on-camera careers. Others are award-winning directors, producers, camera operators, audio engineers, celebrity hair and makeup professionals, and so much more. To learn more about our platform and our conference today, go to shockyourmediapotential.com. And we are back with Alan Lazarus. And uh, I tell you, I there's some guests that I have that I just lose all signs of the clock and I don't even worry about it anymore um, because the, the conversation with you, I think is, is really, it's poignant for all of us. And I, in no matter what stage of life you are, you know, this opportunity to, especially when you said, you know, explore and refocus, you know, as you move forward, you know, on that destination from Boston to Los Angeles, you can go that direction. But if you stop every once in a while and you turn off the GPS and just pull out the actual map, or even just have the GPS show you what the different routes are, you you can still adapt as you go along. Take those moments just to sit back and reflect and say, is this direction I still want to go in? And if yes, keep going. And if not, give yourself permission to adjust and refocus as long as you're keeping within the lines that you want to. So how does this relate to money with your clients? How do you, how do you help them put that in perspective? We, we started to talk about it a little bit, but I'd love to know more about you know, what you do with your clients through coaching and you know, how you uh, reach them through your podcast that uh, helps them also keep their finances with this kind of perspective. So one of my clients is an entire company, and then the rest are individuals who also own their own companies, but smaller teams. And one of the clients that I was on the phone with earlier was a team member at a company called Abisus Bay. It's an NFT marketplace. And they're doing awesome and they're growing and scaling like at a ridiculous rate, which is wild. Um, and I'm slightly jelly because I feel like I'm selling kale and they're selling candy. Um, I'm just joking. But <laughs> personal development, right? But anyways, so um, I was on the phone earlier and I always check in with my clients on the what we call the maximization triad. And it's, it's, it's actually a really simple triangle. One, two, three. So the, the bottom left of the triangle is a one, the top of the triangle is a two, and then the bottom right is a three. Number one is maximizing one's own unique potential. Okay. You might as well call this the fulfillment triad. Okay? okay. So from zero to 10, for all of your listeners or viewers, how much are they maximizing their own unique potential? And yes, we all want to tell ourselves a story that it's 10, but it's not. That's okay. You never really get to 10, but maybe it's a seven. Okay. No worries. Seven. Write that down. Okay. Number two, how much are you maximizing one's own unique greatest level of contribution? So you have your potential and then you have you contributing to the world with that in a meaningful way. Okay. So that's one and two, zero to 10. Third is about money. And this answers your question. Third is about profitability. Third is how do you maximize your own unique quality of life? Mm. So money is a resource that allows you to maximize your own unique quality of life. So my girlfriend and I, every quarter, we go on a quarterly adventure. Our mm -hmm. adventure was this past weekend was in Vermont and we went to our cabin next to a little pond and it was on an orchard and it was gorgeous under the stars. And it literally was like, there's like a little fire in the corner and it's the cutest Airbnb you've ever seen mm -hmm. in your life. And it was expensive, but it was unbelievable. And so those are the three. 
some people, everyone has a code, by the way. So some people are one, two, three. Some people are three, two, one. Some people are just three. And I do want to warn your listeners. I'm just going to be direct. If you're just three, meaning your only focus is maximizing your own quality of life, you're probably in trouble and you're going to end right. up unfulfilled. Right. Um, I'm a one, two, three. So what matters to me most is maximizing my own unique potential. Second mm-hmm. is, so the first one is um, potential. The second one is contribution. So contribution is number two. And then number three is profitability. Mm-hmm. And so that answers your question about money. Money should not be number one, in my opinion. Yeah. And, I, and when money was number one for me, I, was the, I wasn't as fulfilled. And I made yeah. a lot of money. Um, but what I will say is it shouldn't be number five either. Yeah. It, it's a very important piece of the formula. And I'll just say this quickly. When I was in my early 20s, I, I told this on stage this past two weekends ago. My mom was in the audience. I said, mom, you might remember this. When I was in my early 20s, this was my ego version, my young male ego version of, of what I now call optimizing for fulfillment. But I remember she asked me, she said, Alan, why do you care so much about intelligence? Like, why does that matter so much to you? And I said, mom, I'm trying to figure out the formula to not end up old and miserable like everybody else. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, the reason I said that to be completely transparent, remember, that was my ego version, young 20 year old kid. Okay. But I was told growing up, these are the best years of your life. And I remember yeah. thinking to myself, I'm in high school, right? And I, I lost my father. I had a stepdad, didn't want kids. And I had a really challenging childhood. So I'm just going to leave it there. Okay. Very, very challenging. And I remember thinking like, God, I hope not. Yeah. Cause then it's just going to go downhill from here. Oh my Crap. God. And, and so I looked around and I got scared. I'm going to be honest. I grew up in a small town. Okay. And there was not any personal development. And I used to not say this, but now I'm just saying it. I looked around and I saw so many unfulfilled marriages and unfulfilled mm. kids and unfulfilled families and unfulfilled people, people who hated their job, who, who just went to work and, and they were just so unfulfilled. They weren't lit up. They yeah. weren't living. And I knew it. I knew it. And so now I, I now call it optimizing for fulfillment. It's a book that I'm writing. And, and that's the triad from mm. zero to 10. How much are you maximizing your own potential? How much are you maximizing your own greatest level of contribution? And how much are you maximizing your own quality of life through profitability and through money like we talked about? And I rate those three with every client. And then I say, okay, we've identified the problem. What's one thing that will get you closer to 10 on potential? What's one thing that'll get you closer to 10 on contribution? And what's one thing that'll get you closer to 10 on your own quality of life? And if you'd get 1% better every single day under those categories, I'm telling you, you're going to wake up and people are going to wonder what drug you are taking. <laughs> <laughs> so, true. so true. Yeah, it's interesting what people say at different stages of their lives to other people, which is usually from their own unhappiness, their own misery. I hated it when people would say that. Yeah, these are the best days of your life because I'm 53. I'm living my best life right now. Best. I'm way happier than I was at 40, 30, or 20, for crying out loud. Um and it's Amen. all your perspective. And now I look back and think, gosh, what was going on in your four walls? That must have really sucked. It Amen. is what it is. <laughs> Life I, improves when we improve. You yeah. know, you're, you're wiser now. Yeah. And, and so you've, you know yourself better. You're more self-aware. You're more aware of how the universe works. You're more aware of how the economy works and how the world works. And so of course your quality of life has improved. And I think that the people who used to say that to me, the truth is theirs hasn't. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And it's a hard thing to recognize because then you have to, you know, I guess only hard to recognize because some of those people are people you care about and have known. And then you realize, wow, you've, you're not happy. And I, I, and I can't bear, I can't bear that for you. Like, I'm not going to take that on for you. And uh, interesting uh, statement that some people in my family have made uh, over time that they've always said that life is a shit sandwich and you have to take one bite at a time. And I always hated that statement Mm because I'm like, life is not that. It is not that at all. But it's when you look at, you know, where their mindset is um, younger in my life, I would, you know, kind of bear that a little bit and say, oh gosh, well, they feel that way. I wonder why. And, you know, how do I make them happier until I realize uh, I just have to worry about me. I worry if I take care of me to your point, you know, we, we, uh, let's see what you said. Life improves when we improve. I take notes as we go along. Um, life improves as we improve. And when we improve, we find the peace in that for ourselves. And, and that will shine our light a little bit better, but also give some buffer, I think, for all of us when we are around the negativity. Uh, I if I could add one thing, the, yeah. the thing that I want everyone watching or listening to contemplate, and this I didn't get when I was younger, what if, what, if you're a wonderful, good-intentioned human being who truly wants to improve themselves and the quality of their life, why is it that what's good for you is bad for others? Mm. What if what's best for you is what's best for others? Because you know what this world needs? More fulfilled human beings. No kidding. Because no hurt kidding. people hurt people. And that yeah. was my childhood. Yeah. Wow. And that's so true. You know, we can shine our lights and, and keep the light burning bright. And the more that we can shine it and get other people to turn up their own bulbs, whoop, dial it up. I love Alan. I think I could talk to you like forever. So it's going to be really hard to stop, but I'm going to try and stop. Um, but really, I love, I love your passion. I love your, um, your vision. I love your enthusiasm for what you do because it's truly, it's truly um, infectious. So you have made me think about a lot of things and I appreciate it. And I know we're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody's like, I can't wait that long to look up the show notes. I want to find him right now. What's the best way for them to find you? Next Level University is the podcast. We're on YouTube and any podcast platform. And my contact information is in the show notes of every episode. So if you Google Next Level University spelt just like it sounds, we will come right up and you'll be able to find me. And please reach out because between my assistant and I, we do get back to everyone at this point. I don't know if we'll always be able to. Um, I hope to always be able to do that. So please reach out if this resonated and um, just hopefully you're maximizing your own potential and helping others do the same. That's that's the, the parting message. Excellent. Well, I was going to ask you for one last word. Of, you've shared an awful lot of words of wisdom and pearls of advice. Come on. I know you got one more for me. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. So I do. Uh, I'll tell a quick hypothetical story. And um, okay. So there's a woman with a two-year-old son who just learned to crawl and they're in the park and she runs into an old friend. Hypothetical, this is not true. So I don't want anyone to get triggered. Uh, The two-year-old is playing in a sandbox. The mother runs into an old friend. They're talking, not paying attention. Two-year-old gets out into the street, hit by a car. Okay, hypothetical. Hypothetical. Okay, now we all could argue till we're blue in the face 
was it the mother's fault? Was it the friend's fault? Was it the driver's fault? And it's like, you know what? Honestly, who whose responsibility was it? Should the mother have been paying more attention? It's like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Should the driver have been paying more attention? For sure. Should the could the friend have paid more attention? Yes. No one would ever, 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 ever say it was the two-year-old's fault or responsibility. Because the two-year-old is not aware that cars are dangerous. Mm. And so the last pearl of wisdom is simple. This, this episode has hopefully raised your awareness in some way. Now you have a responsibility to do something with it. I think ignorance and apathy are the two root causes of all human suffering. Either we don't know enough and we're still putting leeches on us to get better or yeah we don't care enough. And so I think knowledge and caring is the cure. And you now have more awareness. And I hope that everyone takes responsibility to go and do something good with that, even if it's just in your own life. I love it. Alan, thank you so much. You are incredibly motivating, very inspiring, and uh, definitely are leaving me with thoughts of uh, what I'm going to take from this. Absolutely pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I appreciated this. This was very enjoyable. Uh, keep shining. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.